Welcome to another episode of Storyteller Studio, where we're gathering our lives through genuine conversations and gladly sharing them with folks around the world. As radio announcers, Liz and Tim believe there's something very special about being behind a microphone and letting their hair down. Sometimes people just need a reason to enjoy each other, either again or for the very first time. And we found plenty of others who feel the same. From artists, sports figures, and manufacturers, to filmmakers, authors, and media types, we all may know bits and pieces about a person, but there's always something more. So while we grab our headphones and turn up the mics, it's your chance to eavesdrop on yet another episode of Storyteller's Studio. Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome back to Storyteller Studio. We are back in Rockford. We are not on the road, but our guest today is a guy who knows all about being on the road, uh, literally and figuratively. Mm-hmm. Uh, we do have some audience members today in Storyteller Studio. So first, let me welcome Ted O'Donnell. Ted, Hi, Tim. Thank, thank you so much. Thank you so much for coming in because... I've known you since you were five years old, mm. so I think we have a couple of stories. Just a couple. Just, just a, a couple. Just a skosh. Yeah, so we're not really sure where we're going to go, how we're going to get there, whether we should come back or not, but we'll we'll end up getting there. So our audience members are Janet McGregor, and I know Janet because I go into theater and I go into Cubs games with Canterbury Book Tours, and they drop you at the curb, and it's wonderful. And because of Janet, I met Debbie Drager. And I brought them into Storyteller Studio, and they're going, what are you people doing here? And I told them, and they said, well, next time you have somebody, can we come in and watch because we want to see the process? And I go, okay. Yeah, it's amazing. So that's what we're doing. Welcome, ladies. Yeah. These are the only ladies that have been in here that haven't been spouses. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. That's that's great. Yeah. Of either yours or mine. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So anyway, do you want to start at the beginning or do you want to start at the most recent and work backwards? Because I could do anything you want. Well, let's do it. Yeah, we can go wherever you want on this team. That's fine. I don't remember much from when I was a little Ted. You know, there's there. I have some of my core memories, but yeah. Well, Uh, then we better start recent. Probably, probably better. Okay. All right. Now, you know that we're located at the Edgebrook Shopping Center. We have... 13 weeks of music on the mall. Mm-hmm. And just two weeks ago, you were the lead singer of the band that's been around for how long? 14 years now. 14 yeah. years long for yeah. Dirty Fishnet Stockings. That's right. It's a ballad band, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> we always tell people, like, listen, we all we, we do kids' parties, too. <laughs> uh yeah, we're, we we like to have a good time. There's there's no doubt about it. Yeah, um, trust me, it's not a Dan Fulgerberg thing going on. No, <laughs> no, not at all. We definitely um, take the style of music and we run full force with it and try to give a big show every chance we get. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, we live in such a city that is surrounded and filled with great musical talent. I think that's one of one of our best things about the Forest City is that we have so many great musicians here, mm-hmm. and. Um, and we we were lucky enough to say that we hail from Rockford, Illinois, too. Well, and also when people say, "Oh, I didn't know about this free music thing," I said, "Trust me, if you just need to do a little looking around, you could go to free oh, music yeah. every single solitary night yeah. in Rockford if you want to during the summer." Absolutely, there's always something, always something, always. Just pick a venue. Mm-hmm. That's all you have to do. Yep. So let me ask you, with God, you are so energetic. <laughs> <laughs> when you do your show, oh my God. 
it's in the blistering heat. Mm-hmm. It's in the about to be pouring rain. How do you keep it up? I mean, honest to Pete. Every entertainer, every musician, stage entertainers, they all have their methods that they go through or whatnot. I don't. I <laughs> I walk into each event with just a clear, open mind, and what I try to do is pick up on the energies of the people that are there. Oh. I don't let that define how I'm going to perform for the show, but I try to really siphon some of that energy that's there, and then hopefully it siphons through the band. So... If I'm having an off night or whatnot, my goal is to make sure that the audience members don't know that Mm -hmm. and that we give it our best. So that night that we played out here, you know, we... We're fighting Mother Nature again this year. It's our second year in a row here at Edgebrook. Oh, I know. We had to fight Mother Nature. And... What got us at that gig was obviously we were we were dead already from setup. The heat was and the humidity was was killing us, mm-hmm. and we were wearing the air. As yes, they say. exactly. I yeah. mean, we were we were drenched, and it, I wasn't even I wasn't even in song one yet. So we get to you know halfway through the show, and then the sprinkling started. Not even halfway; it was maybe a quarter through the show, and the sprinkling started. And Harry and I look out, my guitar player and I look out in the crowd, and. Nobody's moving. No. Not one person got up to leave. They came prepared. Yeah. They, they had did. we see umbrellas start popping up and yeah. we see people utilizing uh, the the natural surrounding of the buildings with the awnings and whatnot mm-hmm. and other people were just like no nah, it's, it's just water. It's fine. We yeah. got this. Yeah. And we immediately when we saw that we we're like we're not stopping. We're just going to go oh, and we're just going to do this. That's cool. So we pushed through that show and I, we almost made the full time. You did. We, we almost made it until I noticed that the water was coming in on one of my speakers. Like, well, ah. well, that's because I think the breeze changed a little <laughs> yeah, bit. Yeah, the wind changed completely. And started pl- pulling it into you yep. as opposed to just straight down and go, oh God, no, we yeah, have to say we had this. an issue. But by the yeah. end of the show, you know, it definitely was pouring out rain and people were dancing. And so all of us, you know, I asked the guys a couple of times, one more, one more. And they were just like, yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. I mean, for them, it wasn't their equipment getting screwed up. It was my equipment getting screwed oh. up. But so they were like, yeah, oh. keep going, Ted. Yeah. Um, but it, it worked out because, you know, the audience obviously appreciated us playing. We appreciated them staying to hear us play yeah. under the circumstances. And to us, it was great. So the, the energy that was already here, the vibration that was already here from the people was just awesome. Oh, they that's wanted to, to be hear. entertained and we wanted to entertain them. So wow. that's kind of how that's what keeps me going during a show. And it's sometimes we have our debilitating moments in our shows. Like we look out in the audience and we, we don't have to get our energy by applause or anything like that. Okay. We watch the people. We're very engaging with our crowd. Okay. And when we see people on their cell phones doing the scrolling thing and that type of stuff, oh God. that's that's kind of the, the punch <laughs> to the gut. Like, well, what are we doing that's failing? And then we got to remember, well, that's kind of more of a psychosis thing now. That's just a habit for people. Um, Is it one of those things that once you see it, you can't unsee it? Yeah, exactly. It's just oh. kind of ingrained in your head in a show. But then you try to go harder. To get their attention. And then you got to decide, too, do you call this person out? You know, who's been on their phone well, the whole time? I'll, t- I'll tell you, did you, were you at the uh, Foreigner concert, I say recently, maybe four or five years ago at the Coronado Theater? Mm-mm. Okay. There was only one uh, founding member, and it was, I don't know, like their 40th year or something like that. It was some kind of a reunion type thing. It was one of those things, and I do this a lot where I'll go to the Metro Center or the Coronado, and I'm buying one ticket that day, mm-hmm. and I can get a really good seat. Right. So I was dead center, first row in the balcony. Oh, which that's perfect. could not have been better. Yeah. The, you know, they start in, you know, with maybe cold as ice or something like that. I mean, really got the place rocking. 
and he called out a guy in maybe the fourth or fifth row that I don't know if it was like a class reunion and his wife dragged him there. I don't know what the deal was, but he was on his phone and he goes, all right, we're going to stop the fucking show right here. Yep. And everybody sort of, you know, where when somebody says that, yeah, you're like, oh, you go, oh. what's going on outside? Or did somebody backstage have a heart attack? Or yep. I mean, you don't know yep. when they're that blatant about it. And he goes, I want to know. And I, I want an answer from you. I want to know why the hell you are on your phone. He goes, if two songs in, we're not good enough, then you might as well just leave. And I personally will refund your money. <laughs> good for him. Yeah. yeah. And he was he was bent over. He had his foot on the monitor speaker. I yeah. mean, he was as in his face as he could get. Well, it's, it's just rude. It is. So, of course, the crowd is like, yeah, yeah. get him. It was almost like a town square quartering, yeah. you know, that drawn dude was quarter. about ready just to be dragged out by the horses. <laughs> it was like, it was like the guy that caught the ball at Wrigley Field. Oh, that, that was great. <laughs> Shame. Shame. Yeah, that's exactly it. Oddly enough, he tried to laugh it off. It's like, no, you can't laugh it off. No, you done screwed up. You're oh, you screwed the pooch more <laughs> yeah. ways than one. They're lucky they didn't have Paul Lindsay up there with the spotlight and just swoop it down at him and be like, <laughs> That's right. Good That's luck, right. sucker. That's right. So somebody that they were with literally reached over, took the phone away, and stuck it in their back pocket. Smart. So we're not gonna have this later on because dumbass will pull out the phone again. Oh, absolutely. He will. Yeah, yeah. yeah definitely. Wow. That's good to know that you really get off that energy though. That's really oh, cool. It's, that's 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 our driving force. And you know, we don't we don't use stimulants or anything like that. We know some bands do. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we're not those types of guys. And and that's one thing that we always get we get called out on all the time too, is you guys obviously just keep pushing. It's fifty five songs a show typically. So they're like you guys just keep hitting it and hitting it and hitting it. Wow. And then, of course, I bounce around like a pinball, you know, on yeah. everything. And um, where's your Red Bull? Yeah, and I don't do anything. I just yeah. it's just me. So I I never have a clever answer or a clever thing. I just tell people it's it's about the vibration. It's about the energy. If you believe in that sort of thing, that's just kind of what you have to feel when you go in. And yeah, there are shows that sometimes that I get to the door of the show, and you know, I got to do all the setup for the gear, and I'm just like, I really just don't want to do this tonight. And then the minute I see people and I have the conversations with them. Oh. It, it, it flips me on. You know, I, I'm there. I'm ready to go then. Yeah. Um, now, does it matter? And maybe I'm splitting hairs here. Does it matter whether it's a free show or something they paid for? Does that ever come into play where somebody says, hey, you know, I paid, let's say, 40 bucks a ticket. And they sit back with their arms folded and they go, entertain me. Mm-hmm. Where the free people will go, I, I don't, I don't care what's up there because anything's going to be good. It's sort of like pizza, you know. Yeah. Any kind of pizza is good. Pizza. Yeah. I, does that make a difference? No, not not for us. We we actually we just had this conversation uh, at one of our gigs last this last week. Was we don't care if we're playing for fifty people or five thousand people. We're going to give you the same energy in the same show. Is that because the lights are in your eyes and you can't see them? <laughs> we can't tell. You know, it's <laughs> we, we sit there and it's like, look, you know, if you if you pay, if you if you don't pay, if you're if it's a small crowd, if it's a huge crowd, they deserve to see the same energy in the same show across the board. That's true. And uh, it's our jobs as the entertainer to make sure that they're getting that um, experience, especially with the show that we promote. And, and if we come in lackluster on that, it shouldn't be because of the audience's fault. Does it matter if you've got people that not planted? I don't want to say that, but mm-hmm. people that you know 
are from your mom's side of the family that are going to show up. And you know you've sure, got yeah. scouts in the audience. Yeah. Does that make a difference? It does, because uh, they bring a whole different type of energy, mm-hmm. you know, because they're supporters. They're biased, but they're still supporters <laughs> um, when they're there. And it, it does bring a whole different element to the feel of the audience, but it's also very contagious. Oh, yeah. Because if they're the ones hooting and hollering and having a good time with it, they're also the ones that are having other people see that and then being like, oh, that's that type of show. We yeah. can we can interject. We can have fun with I used to always joke that when I first started the band that it was like Don Rickles on steroids doing rockabilly. I said, that's me as a front man. <laughs> wow. You know, because I'm going to I'm going to. I'm going to bust people's balls out there in the show. <laughs> and you do. <laughs> and I'm going to have fun with them. And it's all teasing, you know. Right. Nothing ever vindictive or mean-spirited. No. Also like Don. It was So I always say, you know, I, it was that with Louis Prima smashed in there. And that's my front man style. So the show always gets you a little case of comedy and a case of rockabilly. Uh, makes it, it makes it more fun for, for the audience. But, yeah, if I have family there or regulars that come and see us, mm-hmm. uh, or as we call them dirty fish net stalkers, you know, so... <laughs> Um, if we have those folks there, we definitely play on them because they give it right back and, and tenfold, which is great. You know, right. so they're throwing it right back at us, and then, then the other audience members can see like, okay, this is that kind of show. We can have fun with it. And, you know, yeah. when you were making reference to uh, the vendors that we have here at Music on the Mall, and they're sort of around the bend a little bit, mm-hmm. especially because of the rain. So right. everybody was sort of hunkering down. They weren't set up in normal situations. And you were trying to draw attention to Lucha Cantina mm-hmm. and to Cork Kagan Spirits. Get your food, get your drink. They're, they're right there. They're right there at the corner. They're, I'm not saying they're working the corner. That's what you <laughs> said. Okay. At the, I try to keep it PG in certain places. That's right. So, yeah. but, but what I'm saying is at the end of that, here we are, you know, taking garbage to the dumpster and stuff like that. And this gal, I don't know who she is. You know, she goes, oh, thanks for doing this. It was a really fun band. It was really, really fun. I said, I'm glad you enjoyed your show. And she had a very uh, flowery summer dress on. I said, by the way, I like your dress. And she said, you know what? That really is helpful when you have to work the corner. (laughs) So she took your punchline. Residual punch. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Like two hours later. Oh, that's amazing. Wow. Good for her. Yes. Score. (laughs) I made impact. That's amazing. (laughs) And it's the crowd that night. I got to tell you, Tim, I mean, we got lucky. You know, we, we, people are, are, have caught on to, uh, the rebranding, if you will, uh, of music on the mall and how great it is. And uh, the energy of the people that were here showcased on the caliber of people you're bringing. And the musicians that come here and these acts that you guys are bringing in, too, are phenomenal. And it's free. So yeah, uh, what, what a great opportunity on a Friday early afternoon. That's the other thing. So if people want to go catch some other acts, they can at that's other it. venues. I mean, it's, it. it's it's brilliant. Yeah. Um, so and, we and, had a good time. And when, when all this changes, it gives you a little bit of behind the scenes. I probably told you about this before. Uh, but when all of this changed and certain retailers left, mm-hmm. they were doing all the booking because they liked to do it. Right. And they were one of the presenting sponsors because they like to do it. Okay, fine. They get a residual. People buy food, blah, mm-hmm. blah, blah. Okay, that's all well and good. But they would hire maybe two-piece acts, you know, a keyboardist and a guitar player, that right. type of thing. Right. And the most they ever had was maybe 100 people. Mm-hmm. Okay. So when they left, Sandy's going, oh, my God, they, they pulled the rug out from under us. And I go, well, yeah, to a certain degree they did. Mm-hmm. And she went upstairs to her boss and says, well, I guess we're not going to have music on the mall anymore. And she goes, whoa, 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 what? 
I think we're going to get presenting sponsors, and I think we're going to move it to the other end, and I think we'll get nightly sponsors, and I think we're going to upgrade the bands. Mm-hmm. And he goes, well, good luck with that. <laughs> well, now the, the gauntlet was thrown down, yeah. and here we are in our second year. So It's a staple. And no, it's a staple in, in, in that second year of infancy. It's a, it's a staple now for, yeah. for music on Friday nights yeah. in the summer. So applause to Sandy. Yeah, she's, absolutely. She And she's got the people. She and she knows. puts up with my bullshit too, Tim. You know, she's my, my she diva. Does. You know, I'm such ladies. I'm not that much of a diva, but to Sandy, I'm probably a diva. You know, I asked for my water. I asked for, <laughs> you know, wham, some wham, band, wham. Some bands are asking for M and M's in a jar. I'm asking for a cooler of water, <laughs> or if I can pick up my check a little early. <laughs> so, but, but you know, that night you ask, can we bring everything yeah. and spread it out in the storyteller studio and let it dry for three days because you had a gig that Wednesday night. Yeah, we had another one, yeah. And you didn't want to pack it up all damp or wet or even close to being wet. It would have been bad. If, yeah. If, it, if, it, if one of those speakers went in one of those cases, I would have had a bigger issue yeah. uh, after the fact. Yeah. And then, of course, then you have wet gear in your car and then you got that smell. Yeah. Uh, it, it w- but so thank you for allowing me to do that because that was, that was a big deal. Mm-hmm. And, it, you know, I only had to do a minor repair uh, on that stuff after that for the gig. So, oh, good. Yeah, just one speaker I had an issue with. So. Good, good, good. So repaired. You know, we, this, this is not a bad thing, but mm-hmm. it is a story to tell, so I will. Mm-hmm. We've had some bands, and this again, it's not a bad thing. It's, it's what they need to do. We've had some bands that come in here and they use the staging area in the green room, and at the end, it looks like a dorm room because they are so energetic, and they come in and they change a shirt during a song. Mm-hmm. And they leave the shirt on the floor, and they put it on another one, and they're back out the door, you know, within the song. So at the end of the night... <laughs> looks like a party room. It did. It's college it all did. over again, Tim. It was hilarious. <laughs> so when they were packing up and leaving, I had to make three trips out to the parking lot because of articles of clothing that I found laying around. <laughs> which, again, it's not their fault, but it's hilarious because I sort of felt like that girlfriend that found yeah. things oh by the way running back to the boyfriend don't forget your sweater that's right. you know <laughs> oh god and it was it was literally anything from socks and underwear to shorts and t-shirts i think i left a pair of underwear in here on purpose actually really? yeah check by your speaker over really? there really okay yeah. right. has <laughs> they're little, signed has a little yeah. heart on it yeah, yeah exactly that's yours okay yep. good now you know <laughs> You're welcome. You're, oh, wow. <laughs> After show underwear. Wow, Fantastic. you are in marketing. Yes, I am. Because you, I'll always find a way. You took that <laughs> and just twisted it. Yep. So let's let's go into the marketing thing. Sure. You have worked for Ingersoll Cutting Tool here mm-hmm. in town for how long? I uh, came on board in 2015. 2015. Yeah. Okay. And that was right before I sold Skyward Promotions. And yep. so we worked together for just a little bit Briefly, as, you, yeah. as you guys being one of my clients. But... You know, typically I, it was with Dave or Kyle or some of those people. In fact, I just saw Dave the other night at um, Nunzio's. He looks up at me in front of his wife, who I have never met, and he looks at me with all seriousness and says, I, I can't get away from you. <laughs> and I just I just stood there. I didn't, I didn't know quite what to say. He gave me a hug today, so... <laughs> I see where we stand. You see the difference? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So so you've been an Ingersoll cutting tool. Mm-hmm. You're in the marketing department. Yes. And that obviously is your propaganda and your twists and yep. you're putting the spin on everything. But prior to that, what did you do? Because I don't uh, know that part about you. So when I was 15, I applied at Sino Formal Wear at Chesney Park Mall. Oh, my. And uh, I said, I want to, you know, I got a worker's permit. 
I want to work. I've been working for my dad, you know, at Slugger's Bar, and mm-hmm. and then my grandpa at Greg Randers at construction, uh, out in the barricades. But I wanted to, you know, I wanted a real job that wasn't my family. Yeah. And uh, bring something to the table. So so they interviewed me, and then they hired me later that year in August. And then I was working, and then went through high school. I turn eighteen, and I'm my senior year, and they make me assistant manager. Right. So I'm going right from school to work right after just so I could fit in 37 hours a week plus Uh going to high school and then the last semester of high school there was some stuff that happened there with the management and they wanted to make me store manager and I was like okay I'll do that so I did that and so I was already working you know hardcore and then I I had a plan because grandpa had a plan for me uh, to go to Rock Valley and and figure out the whole college crap and then um, I went ahead and took the job though and then I was 19 or 20 and they came to me like, well, we want you to kind of be a regional manager. I started traveling to stores and do training and marketing hmm. uh, for the company outside of just my store, McChesney. So wow. I managed the McChesney store, and then I got on to uh, moving around, doing some training of staff. And then that turned into, uh, okay, well, we want you to be a regional manager for good, but we want you to take over all these stores and up in the northern quarter. I'm like, okay. So that was like nine stores. So and you're going, oh, my God, I'm just a kid. Yeah, I was very young. And at that point in my head, to me, college just looks stupid because I'm like, they're <laughs> going to pay me dumb money to do this crap. So I'm like, all right. I get to boss people around. And I was an arrogant kid about it, too. So I'm like, all right, this will be fun to do. So I, I, I did that gig for quite a while. I was there for 15 years. Um, oh, my. So after I was the regional, they made me vice president. I had all the stores. And so I think I was 23 and vice president and... Uh, of, of sales. And so my job was marketing, training, hiring, firing. Why aren't you wearing a tux? <laughs> I wore During a your... suit every day. No, I'm talking about now. <laughs> for the interview? Yeah. Uh, no, they're no, not going to fit no, anymore. No, not <laughs> now. I'm talking about for the band to pay oh, still, homage to them. I still have. I still have some of my old tuxedos. From That's hilarious. That, yeah. But it was it was a great learning experience. It had its ebbs and flows, ups and downs, like any business does. I could see the writing on the wall, though, with formal wear. And the president and I, you know, we were going back and forth with, I thought we should create an Amazon style for formal wear. Oh. And he didn't agree. He still thought brick and mortar was the way to go. My direct boss that I had between him and I and I had quite a bit of a falling out. Uh, on, on on several decision factors, so mm-hmm. I finally just said, you know what? I'll give you guys a one year notification, and I'm leaving. So I gave them my my year notice because they needed to hire like three people to take over my yeah, one but job. That's really generous. So I gave them a one year notice. Well, yeah, but the problem was I didn't know what the hell I was gonna do. Yeah, you know, because I'm just like, ah, screw it, I'll figure it out. Uh, I, I just there's my arrogance again. I'll figure it out. Well, in this meantime, when I was 16, also I started DJing. And I was doing weddings, and I started learning the DJ process. And so I was running that alongside the tuxedo business. And uh, I was so the, there's the reason for your entertainment. Right yeah, there. so I jumped right in. You yeah. know, I you know that goes back to New American Theater when I took classes when I was a kid, and I got hooked on entertaining people. You were with J.R. Sullivan and mm-hmm. Steve Vertle and those yeah, guys. Yeah, were yeah. you really? Yeah, I, I never did a, a full production with them. I did all the classes and the education classes, and wow. uh, it was a lot of fun. A lot of fun back then. A lot of good memories. After Sino, I went to Lux Productions full-time and helped them with their install business. And actually, we did the install for the J.R. Sullivan Theater nice. um, when they rebranded. And then, um, yeah, obviously, I was still doing events, but I was doing more corporate events. Okay. And uh, I was getting hired to do MC jobs at trade shows or, or lead-in uh, product rollout functions and stuff. Mm-hmm. So I was getting hired for that in Ingersoll. 
uh, I was doing a wedding uh, for one of their executives, and uh, you know how it is. One thing led to another. I got a conversation. I got a call like, hey, we got this trade show. We'd love for you to come in. You impressed us. Yeah. So I went in. I was a contracted employee. Went in, did the trade show. At McCormick? At McCormick Place. Okay. And then I uh, got a call back uh, later from one of the gals who I owe my job to, and she uh, she said, hey, we got this mobile marketing unit that we send out that crisscrosses North America and I'm looking for somebody and you seem to know everybody in town. So who do we, who, who would you recommend for this? And, and your went, well, hand went up. Yep. I was like, well, my contract's up with Lux. So me and, and you, I need insurance. And, so. you, and you didn't mind the traveling. I didn't give a shit. I already did it so many for years for Sino. You know, I was, oh. I had 17 stores oh, gotcha. uh, throughout uh, Illinois and Indiana. So I was like, yeah, I can do it. And at that wow. time, you know, I had Finn was coming about, you know, to be born mm-hmm. in 2014 and uh, so took the job and then Dave Eisel retired yes. and I was only there maybe six months. And then next thing I know, I'm being told that I'm taking his job. <laughs> so I'm like, okay. They're like, Here well, we you go. know, AV, you know, tech, you know how to present yourself, you know, to public speak, all that. So, so seminars are up your alley. I'm like, okay, sure. And trade shows. Yeah. And they're like, oh, by the way, you have to do this IMTS trade show at McCormick Place. Your budget's a million dollars. I'm like, what? Yeah. <laughs> gigantic okay. like a 10-day show yeah, yeah yeah so i was like fantastic <laughs> and uh did that it just kind of kept propelling there so now over the time i'm now the manager of trade shows seminars i oversee the travel for all of our employees and fleet vehicles wow so all of our field sales fleet vehicles so the marketing aspect has gone more to the wayside i kind of help direct more mm-hmm. so with marketing the ideas come from you know our our holdings company and um we have a wonderful marketing director there too that knows the business inside and out and but he and i work really well in tandem but most of that stuff comes from them now that's product crazy. wise they still consult me with like hey what would be a good handout what would be a good prize right you know right. that type of thing and, and so i still work with that and uh, wow yeah, i had no idea those pieces of your ladder yeah there's none i never really talk about it either now i think about it but yeah i mean sino was sino formalware was my main gig for a long time of my life a big chunk of my life through through two marriages so i mean it was it was there and um but i i grew out of that and grew into the other things in the entertainment field and the volunteering stuff and uh it allowed me to do some things that i really wanted to do and i will say this over and over and over again to people it does not matter what their age or what the occupation is that we're talking about. If they do more than one thing, and you with your DJing and the Sino or the marketing or whatever Mm -hmm. you want to call it, if you are smart and you let the door be open, Mm -hmm. you can take so much of that side gig and apply it to what you're doing and vice versa. And there's so many people that think it's a solid wall between the two. And it doesn't have to be. It doesn't matter what the combination is. It doesn't have to be. That's where I think probably you climb the ladder pretty well because they're going, oh, well, he's not afraid to talk to anybody. No, yeah. And therefore, let's put him out in front of a trade show where there is a bunch of strangers that you have to make, you know, buddies with. Well, I got to make them like me. You know, I try to look yeah. at the world as three-dimensional instead of two-dimensional. Yeah. You know, I mean, a lot of our a lot of people live their lives very two-dimensional. They do. You know, and this is it. There's there's a there's a fence. There's a wall. There's always something up in front of you. Well, mm-hmm. You got to be able to see through that. Well, I think to a certain degree, they want the predictability though too. Yeah. Yeah. It's it a is safe, safe. It's a safe feeling then, yeah. and that's okay. Some people, they're you know, non-playable characters, those NPCs. That's fine. Um, <laughs> but I I I, I want to experience it because you know, Grandpa O'Donnell always told me from day one, from the moment that you breathe your first breath of air you're in a a destiny to death 
That's a short amount of time. So mm-hmm. what you make of it is extremely important. So, I mean, we are. We're here for just a, a little glint in, in time and space. So we got to make the best of what we have. And that's why for the longest time I was taking on everything. If people yeah. are coming at me like, hey, do you want to join this board or you want to join this volunteer group? I'm like, that's okay. It. You know? <laughs> that's it. So there, it, got, it got to be too much, though. I no, mean, I, well, there's a, there's a couple of things because I'm in the same bucket as you are. You know that. We've yeah. known each other for a long time. One, the answer in your head is, well, why not? Right. And the other one is, okay, until it's not okay. Exactly. Yeah. yeah I kept having kids. That was my issue. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> well, and I'll tell yeah. you, you mentioned your grandpa O'Donnell, mm-hmm. and that's Bill O'Donnell. And I worked very, very closely with both Bill and your dad, Craig, at mm-hmm. Gregory Anderson, and a couple of other companies along, because, you know, we had the, uh, the Skyward Promotions for 30 years. Right. Yeah. And there's going to be 99.9% of the people that are hearing this podcast right now that don't know this story that you've heard a hundred times, is that we work closely with uh, Bill and Craig, particularly with Rockvale Children's Home and their balloon rally every year. Mm-hmm. It's a fundraiser. It's a community event. It's go out and get food and watch hot air balloons. And my God, what? Uh, how great is that combination? Turkey leg at five in the morning. There you go. Cool. There you yeah. go. <laughs> a little on the heavy side by yeah, lunch. Yeah. yeah. So we have done those flying things, whether to pre-promote or you know, flying in the tournament or whatever the case may be. Well, your dad, Craig, one time called the front office at WROK. And I was on the air. I was on the air from 10 until 2 at the time. And he talks to the receptionist and said, this is Craig O'Donnell. Yeah, yeah, I remember who you are. He says, can you put me through to Tim? Well, he's on the air right now. And they have really sort of strict instructions. Don't put people through. If they really want to talk to you on the air, they'll call the studio line. Mm -hmm. And then we either answer or we don't. Right. He goes, well, this is an odd situation. I really need to talk to Tim. Okay, fine. So she walked back to the studio and said, Craig O'Donnell's on the phone. And I'm thinking something's bad, off the top of my head, for no particular reason. And I picked up the phone, and he says, can you have your equipment ready by 3 o'clock this afternoon? I said, Craig, I'm on the air till 2. He goes, the question still remains. Can you have your equipment? <laughs> that sounds about right. And I go, we're, what are we doing? And he goes, we're doing a wedding in the hot air balloon. And I go, come on. No, the weather's good. These people have talked to me ahead of time. And we're, we we got to look at the window and mm-hmm. take advantage of it. Your dad had talked to Judge Harry Agnew and all these other people, including TV23. Mm-hmm. So I'm the last guy he calls. <laughs> He's got everybody else lined up. We do a wedding. And keep in mind, we got to go a lot higher. We were like 3,500 feet up because you don't want to hit that propane too often when you're trying to do vows. Yeah, you got to be able to yeah. coast it. Yeah. Your grandpa had TV-23 in his balloon shooting it, and we were the intro for TV-23 News for a year because it was so stinking cool. Yeah, it was awesome. With the sunset and everything else. And your dad and your grandpa had some pretty balloons, too. Yeah, absolutely. They, they weren't they really ho-hum. Were. Yeah, no. they were very pretty balloons. So when it came time to leave the radio industry... And I was promotions director at every radio station I worked for. So Mm -hmm. I was buying promotional products. So that was why it was an easy transition to start a company that provided promotional products. And I'm going, what do we call this? What do we call it? Well, my partner, or soon-to-be partner at the time, 
said, well, why don't we just use our last names? And I'm going, oh, my God. I just, I wanted like to. Like any s- other company in thank town? Thank you. Yeah. Uh, or, or the initials of our last yeah. names. And I just wanted to stick a knife in my neck. Yeah. And so we got thinking. And because of the hot air balloons and people's fascination with it, we named it Skyward Promotions and had a silhouette of a hot air balloon, a variation of that for 30 years yeah. because of your dad and your, and your grandpa. It's just amazing. It, it is. is. It is amazing. And then, you know, from from that time, you know, the Skyward Promotion era, mm-hmm. if you will, <laughs> um, what was great is when my dad left Rockford and he moved to Florida <laughs> and my grandpa obviously still in Rotary yeah. and oh, yeah. talking about Rotary. Yeah. You know, the first time that you and I reconnected on anything was at Rotary, it you was. know, when I got brought in yeah. and it was... You know, but leading up to that, my my dad and my grandpa and I, whenever we'd have lunch or talk things out or whatnot, or when he would come back in town, my grandpa would still talk about Rotary, and my dad would always bring you up and just because he brought me in. Yeah, he'd be like, "How's Tim doing? How's everything going?" And oh, believe me, he would say that too. You know, when he went to Love's Park Rotary, it was, "Well, you know, I got this guy in. I did this. We were the first <laughs> ones to do that. We moved to City Hall." I'm like, "Dad, I just don't give a shit." <laughs> You know, <laughs> but his resume was a scroll. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it was. There's a I was lot like, going I on. I get it. You did stuff. All right, fantastic. <laughs> and that's um, what people are going to say about you. Yeah, that's. I fa- get it, Ted. Yeah, I get it. It's fine. You, you know, do stuff. I, 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 I try not to be. And I got forced into the limelight on a lot of that stuff that I do, though, the side stuff. Like, oh. I, didn't, I didn't try to be oh. the face of the 4th of July or festival lights. That was not my intention or goal. That was Uncle Joe's intention. Well, um, as long as we're going there. Yeah. <laughs> because uh, Joe Marino did it for years and years and years. Yeah. And Joe's no longer with us. Was there a transition before he died and before he let go of the reins? Yeah, we technically did have a transition period, but it was um, 10 years of it. My cousin and I just had no idea it was a transition period. We didn't realize we were being uh, educated as to certain things or being introduced to people or or we were told to do things. Because Uncle Joe, God bless him, but he held everything really close to his heart on mm-hmm. the projects that he did. So he, did, he, he was very slow at releasing certain information to us on things. So when we had a question, that's when he would teach us something about it. But as we got closer to the later years, like 2017, he started, especially with Festival Lights, he admitted, like, we got to do something. I was at the end of 16, actually. He's like, I need help. I can't do this. We have, I don't have the right people to help me with it. Mm-hmm. So he knows my marketing background with everything. And uh, he said, what can we do, you know, to amp this up? I was like, well, we have to reinvest. And we have to rebulb. And we have to really get the actual media partners to be that instead of just getting their little fly-by-night, hey, we did something. They actually have to be invested in it. That's right. There's a difference between being a sponsor and having your name on a sign and being involved. Exactly. And this is your job, and we'll do our job, but while you go do that, we'll be doing this. Exactly. And that's a true sponsorship partner. Oh, absolutely. And and, and it's grown. It's. I mean, we we sat down, we formulated it, and that turned into Festival Lights now being a – huge event for us and as if anybody that has gone through it in rockford uh, in the last 15 years no big difference they'll see that there's oh, a huge oh difference my God. but it took joe a lot to finally say okay here are the reins to this go at it yeah. up to his dying day my cousin and i because it was during uh setup time that he passed away so so during setup we would take a picture print it out 
take it to them and oh. say, this is where we want to put this display. This is where we put it up at. What do you think? We oh. still let him make those decisions because he was so passionate about it for all those years. Yeah. And we didn't want to just take it away from him because he was sick or not. His mind was still great. Yeah. All the way to the end, his mind was still sharp as a tack. And the difference between this and the 4th of July, mm-hmm. and, and I'm, I'm, I'm more asking you than telling you, is that the Festival of Lights is a quote-unquote permanent 30-day display right? where the fireworks is gone in one night. Yeah. And I could see where he would have his heart more into that and more picky on it because, I mean, granted, you could make decisions on fireworks shells and the size of them and how many and this, that, and the other. But until you see it, and then it's too late. Yeah, yeah. And then it's up, it's up in smoke. <laughs> and it's, it's done. Literally, yeah. So I, I can see why that would be a twist for him. And it, it kind of filtered into me, too. Because, like, so fest- so between the two events, and, you know, it's not stuff that I publicly talk about a lot, but between the two events, Festival of Lights is definitely the one that I hold closer to my heart than the 4th of July. Okay. I mean, I believe in the 4th of July and the Independence Day and what it stands for and what we do. But as far as um, a feeling of completion, I get that from Festival of Lights because oh. we do have that time frame mm-hmm. where people get to really experience it. And then uh, numerous times people can come through with that event. Yeah, Fourth of July, we work our butts off for that one-day event. And it takes a good two weeks to try to decompress my brain afterwards. Oh. It is a lot of work for one day. It's like getting married every year. Yeah, <laughs> it's a headache. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's planning and it's a lot of money. And you know, both of our events are 100% funded by donations and sponsorships. Mm-hmm. So we're constantly chasing our tail to make sure we have funds to put these events on. And Uncle Joe set that bar so damn high for the fireworks that, and, and that was his big uh, speech to Tom and I was, "We are not allowed to lower the bar." I always did, so you can too. Find a way. Wow. That was his thing. Find a way. We're like, okay. <laughs> so I made up a bunch of ways. And uh, for spot, new spot, I made, I created a shit ton of new sponsorships for the fourth and the same for Festival Lights to right. try to make sure we have monies there and available so we didn't have to do what Uncle Joe did by mortgaging his house twice, putting things on credit cards, oh, you know, and all this my. stuff. Just to make sure that our city had a wonderful event. And we love our community. We love our city. Tom and I both. We love it. We are not willing to put ourselves, though, um, out of our homes just in case we can't get it paid for because the community doesn't want it anymore. But that's that's the passion. It doesn't matter what the topic is. Right. The passion when you say, well, why do you make movies? Why do you write book after book after book? Why? This is what I want to do. Why do you have so many gigs on the calendar? It's because I got a passion for it. This is it's in my DNA. Yeah, yeah. and it, and that's another thing that sort of falls in that category, doesn't it? Yeah, I, it it a hundred percent does, and that and that goes back to your very first question about my energy. I mean, mm-hmm. I don't think I'm a typical human just because <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, I'm juggling. Glad you said that. I'm, I'll I'll say it because I'm juggling all these balls in the air and all these events I, and all these things and. Just here's, nah. here, here's what I think. I think that phrase, I'm typically, I'm not your typical human. Mm-hmm. Is that what you said? Yep. I think that belongs on the front of a t-shirt. <laughs> and then on the back of the t-shirt, it says, I'm juggling too many balls. <laughs> I would sell them all at every show. <laughs> you would. <laughs> Thank you. Finally, we get back to our marketing side of things. See, I help you with things. that. I know. I do. You can actually I help you. <laughs> that's why so, the piece of paper that's the like, oh, here. this could actually work. <laughs> So with with all these things that I do and whatnot, I mean they're crazy and and silly, but they're fulfilling. And, That's what uh, it needs to be. Yeah, the Fourth of July is is it's hard. It's very mentally draining. It is very hard. Festival lights is extremely fulfilling because we hear it immediately. You, you know, do. As cars come through. 
you can hear the kids and the God, that's the best part. Just yeah. hearing like, wow. Yeah. Uh, same with the fireworks. When we hear the audience reaction during that one moment in time, you know, you get 30 minutes to put on the spectacle in the sky, mm-hmm. you know, for the fourth. Yeah. The first part of that whole thing, my cousin and I are freaking out. Our anxiety level is way high because you have to have the radio synced with the pyrotechnician. You have to have the TV synced with the radio station who's syncing with the pyrotechnician. If you're a second off, no one in the public's going to know. We know. You know. So we're, <laughs> we're going to. So yes. it's a big deal to us. Because um, you, you don't want to work a year no. and then be off by a second. No. It's, that's it's, embarrassing. It's a lot of money yes. that's programmed into that show. Yeah. So it has to be right. right. I mean, there's no room for air. That's the way I tell people their fireworks show. There's no room for air. No. Um, so if, if it was just a guy shooting fireworks off, not to a soundtrack, who gives a shit? But that's not the case. No. This is um, an extremely stellar. The guys that do the Super Bowlers who are doing our fireworks show. So, I mean, that's what we're bringing to Rockford. That's it's, the caliber. It's hard when you're watching the fireworks display. It's hard to look where you don't see fireworks. Yeah. That's how widespread and big it is. It's a big I mean, show. No dumbass is going to turn completely around. That's just stupid. No. But you get my idea yeah. that it's just a spectrum and it's in downtown Rockford. It's not like it's the big sky of Montana. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You've yeah. got other stuff that potentially could be in your way, but yet it's just not. No. No, this year we it's, even shot higher, and I mean, it's high, what we're legally allowed to shoot. It, it was worth it in our eyes. Everything we did this year was worth it, and we increased the budget a little bit uh, to make it happen. But like I said, for that 30 minutes, Tim, that's the, that's the big caveat of us doing this is everybody that's there is watching the sky as one. Mm-hmm. nothing else matters no. to them. No. Nothing in their lives matter at that point. That 30 minutes, everybody's looking at the sky as one people, as one humankind, mm-hmm. and they're enjoying it, and they're taking it in, and then at that last 29 minutes and 52 seconds, when that <laughs> last uh, berate of shells goes off, the roar through where we are, Davis Park, and up onto the bridge, onto Chestnut Bridge, you can hear people from Ingersoll Park. That yeah. you, when you hear that, you get the goosebumps and you get the feels like we did something good. Yeah. Granted, you're gonna hear the the, the dumbasses that make their stupid comments uh, about things like, well, oh, over, the show now. was better last year." <laughs> it's like, do you remember? Can you tell me what shell happened last year? Are you kidding me? Shut up. You know? How many <laughs> shells do you put off? Over five thousand. Do you really? Yeah, it's over five thousand shells. Thousand of those are in the grand finale. And how much variety of shells? Uh, there's well, so every year we have a third of of the shell count that's new, meaning it's never been seen in the Midwest. You mean the actual construction and the way it bursts every, and falls? Everything about it is new. Really? So we we deal with Pyrotechnico, and they're an amazing pyro company that does all the major sporting events, all the major concerts uh, through uh, the United States. But they always, you know, the the shells are sourced um, Japan, Korea, mm-hmm. Australia, Mexico. Uh, a couple other European countries, and all these, um, you know, they, they bring them in. They test them in Indiana, oh. the company that we deal with. So they shoot each one. They videotape it. They log it into their computer system. Um, but our programmers that we've had for the last 20-something-odd years know what shells we've had in our previous shows. So they're always able to say, these shells have never been used. Uh, here's brand-new shells that I haven't even been seen before. So they know to put those in our show, and wow. they kind of they kind of cater to it. They're, they're just wonderful people, and they've always taken care of Uncle Joe, and they've taken care of my cousin Tom and I since his passing. So making sure that 
we still give Rockford that show. So that's why when people make those comments, the show was better last year. I always laugh. I'm like, you're such an idiot. You have no idea what <laughs> goes into this. No. You know, you're just using your nonsensical opinion to, to make y- an assumption. You know, almost is it's when a song is over or when a TV show is over or when a movie is over. Yeah. I mean, it's all the same thing. Yep. I don't know why people have... I mean, they did these stupid comments when I was watching Maverick. Yeah. With Tom- <laughs> Maverick, um, yeah. an unbelievable movie. Yeah. And somebody made one of those comments going, you know, I, they could have done just as well a movie in half the time. Really? When is the last time you were a filmmaker? Right. You can't say that, but they feel like they need to say something. Yeah. But they don't. Yeah. No. It's like, well, we'll step into just, that realm and tell me how you would do it better. Yeah, and yeah, how. yeah, yeah. So we always call those people to the mat, actually. We do call them out. We're like, well, why don't you join our volunteer committee and be a part of the volunteering instead of sitting being a keyboard warrior? Oh. And they always back down. They always back down. It's like, yeah. what? Well, you have all these great ideas, so bring them to the table. Come on, man. Oh, you don't want to give the time? Oh, okay. Oh, I get it. Right. Give yeah. me up. Because I'm, I'm bitching to other people at the movie theater. And yeah. Like <laughs> yeah. Well, someone will listen to me. Like, okay, yeah, somebody will like your comment. Good for you. Um, if, if they had any idea what actually goes into these shows, I mean, those designers, you will not see the same shell in another song during that 30 minutes. Wow. Once it erupts in the one song, you will not see repeated again. Wow. So to say anything like, the show is better or not better or, or, or you can't say that type of stuff because the way they design it, it's always going to be better than the year before because you're never going to see the same stuff twice. I'm not as close to the launch area as I used to be mm-hmm. for whatever reason. Maybe it was when I was at WROK or whatever. Yeah. They, we were sort of on no, top. No, you had of, access. Well, we were on top <laughs> of things, yeah. But are you doing all bridge, all barge, half and half? How well, does that work? ComEd has a site down there just um, south of the UW Sports Factory, the old Ingersoll. Sure. Yeah. Um, so that ComEd site is where we've been launching for the last 20-something years. We had, on, on land? On land, So you yeah. don't do anything from the Morgan Street Bridge? No, no. Wow. So everything is is off that spot there, and the reason being is that it's a fenced, closed-off area. and oh, okay. So we can shoot comfortably 400 feet from that spot with the river and that land being our fallout. Okay. Um, we can go 600 feet uh, by fencing off part of the parking lot over at UW, and still having the river uh, for fallout. So our fallout zone is is great, and that's, so that's why we've been shooting from this spot. It has a downside. It is the lowest elevation in Rockford. Even though we're shooting six-inch shells, which would give you about 600 feet, uh, it could, it's probably only making 525 feet because you have that drop there. Yeah. That was always a comment from the old-timers in Rockford. They make their little snide things like, well, it used to be higher when it was on Jefferson Bridge. Well, yeah, that's one of the <laughs> highest bridges in town, you idiot. Sure. So, of course, it's going to go up there. I was like, but what you don't know is that we were only shooting three-inch shells. So, oh, because you can't, cause you can't yeah. get more than that. Yeah. Um, so, you know, and over in that spot, we're shooting six-inch shells. So, I mean. You know, there is one place that I would like to see it from, mm-hmm. and that's the top of the Embassy Suites. Oh, they would love that. Yeah. Uh, they're a great donor, uh, but uh, <laughs> we may have to donate to them after that insurance claim. <laughs> Oops. Um, you can do shells from buildings, and obviously the company no, we no, use. No, no, no. Me see it. Oh, from there. Yes, oh, I thought you meant from, shoot off no, the building. No, no, no. Oh, my God. They've done it. I wanted to do it off of Founders Landing one year. Oh. I wanted to do it off the Lord and Building. Oh, so you're the reason they tore down the building. I was going to help them tear down the building. Oh, nice. <laughs> I was like, I got you guys. Don't nice. worry. I'm really good at burning things down. You know, we were yeah. coming back from Seattle. This is years and years and years ago on the 4th of July. And here we're 
flying into O'Hare Airport, and every suburb in Chicago <laughs> That's That's had, cool. had their, and, and they look like they're little bitty fireworks, little bitty fireworks. <laughs> well, you know, they're not little. No, but, when you're, but they do up there. Yeah, when you're at 20,000 feet, yeah, they're tiny. Yeah. But I couldn't believe how many of them. Mm-hmm. Now, this is so long ago, I didn't have a camera with me. I did not have, there was no cell phone in your pocket. Right. There was none of that. And I would love to have just had that little speckle. Yeah, but that would have been cool to see. Yeah, honestly, would not have been. gonna not gonna happen. I mean, from the top of Embassy Suites, though, I mean, they do have a prime view um, from where we're launching. Now, unfortunately, we were told that for the foreseeable future, we are not allowed to use Davis Park for viewing and spectating because uh, they're going under construction this next oh, year, yeah. starting in May. Yeah. And then that's going to go through, and they don't even know when they're going to end it. So they don't know when they can give us the park back again, i.e., making it unaccessible for three to five to six thousand people viewing so i can't use that spot anymore for even launch and again your number of balls one of those or two of those balls just got the size of a bowling ball yeah that's exactly it they just made a huge problem for us right uh because now we have to move the fireworks a launch to somewhere else where we can make sure we still get the same amount of viewing and that's almost impossible downtown right now so we don't know what we're going to do. We have, we have, I shouldn't say that. We have two ideas. We could go back to Jefferson Bridge. We could shoot off Chestnut Bridge, but there's a lot of things that happen with bridges now uh, oh, just yeah. to shoot fireworks. Yeah. And it's, yeah. it's, there's a lot more safety measures involved than it was in the late 90s uh, or 80s when we were shooting off of it. You can't do it at the airport because you have airspace. It's, you're not legally allowed to shoot pyrotechnics at the airport. So, would uh, you do FAA the air won't. show out there? Well, the air show yeah. never, never had aerial uh, pyro, they had ground effect pyro. Okay. And and during the day, uh, during the day, yeah. yeah. So uh, okay, um, that was the difference. And in the air show, obviously, too, they had a permit for that time period. So y- your airspace, your fly times were different during an air show. Understand uh, for commercial. Gotcha. So I mean, you you have these issues, and there's really no other spot that we could think of in Rockford that we can bring in a large amount of people to watch a fireworks show and still have a fallout zone uh, that's comfortable. Again, we have Uncle Joe's bar. He had the bar high and. Mm-hmm. He always believed that downtown is where the fireworks should be, no matter what, because downtown can bring everybody from both sides of the river together. That That's was his it. big thing. That's it. You know, he comes from the time where both sides of the river meant something completely different. Mm-hmm. You know, you had the Italians and the Swedes, and he yeah. wanted to bring them together. Yeah. And, That's it. Uh, so it, it was his his big thing was uh, he was he was the son of immigrants, and he wants to celebrate that day uh, in the most spectacular way that he possibly could, bringing people together. And that's instilled in my cousin and I. So we don't want to move from downtown. It's just our hand is being forced that way. Well, and then you've got extra things that add to the layer of the cake just right. by the nature of the 4th of July with the breakfast and the parade. And yeah. you've, again, let's say it has nothing to do with you, mm-hmm. which I know I'm wrong, but let's say it has <laughs> nothing to do with you. It's one more thing you have to dance around. Yeah. One yeah. more thing that you have to coordinate with. And I, ju- I can't imagine... And the other thing I could not imagine, and I can't remember how many years they did it. What was on the waterfront? Was that 20 years? Something like that? Yeah, I think they got up to 23 or something yeah. like that. Yeah. And my God, the coordination oh, yeah. with food trucks and multiple stages. And here we are, just this little blip. We're a radio station, two radio stations at the time, mm-hmm. showing up at two different stages and giving out something on the East State Street Bridge. Right. Well, God, that is such a small cog. Right. But yet, for them, I'm one of 80 balls they got to juggle that day. Yeah. Are you going to show up on time? Are you not going to be in somebody's way? So on and so forth. And I just, I can't imagine. It's what heart attack's going to happen next. <laughs> so 
and, and the biggest concern off, off of the 4th of July event is Mother Nature. Oh, yeah. That's our biggest concern. How many times has that kicked you in the butt? You know what's funny is that we never had a rain date, ever. We've never had any rain issues until Uncle Joe started passing the reins to Tom and I. And I said, what the hell is your game plan here, man? <laughs> so in 2017, we had, or 18, we had some rain. 2019, we had some rain. He passed away in 2019. 2020, we got screwed out of doing the show. 2021, we do the show, and we got poured on during the parade, and I could not stop laughing because I'm in I'm in my golf cart, and I'm just sitting there, and I'm just drenched. Yeah. Like, okay. And then last year, right before the parade, torrential downpour, and then we almost had to pull the show because it, it cleared up. It was beautiful. But then the storms came in. You look mm-hmm. to the north, lightning. The south, lightning. But we were in this pocket where we had this clear time to shoot at 930, and we shot. And at 1030, this storm rolled in and ruined all our, our pop-up canopy tents and stuff. But we, we just made it. And I always take wow. those moments like, okay, Uncle Joe, we're listening. We must have did something bad. We must have screwed something up. Sorry. Um, but... Uh, you're blaming Joe. Yeah, I got to because I can't, you know, I know he's there. It's like, I'm going to screw with these kids because it's going to be funny to him, you know, because that was always his big stressor was the weather. Yeah. And uh, these and kids I, thought it was easy. Yeah. But ha, I, ha, I always ha. joked. I'm like, ah, it's always hot. Who gives a shit? It's fine. We know it's going to be hot. We'll prepare for that. He's like, no, rain. I'm like, ah, it's rain. It's summer. It always rains. And then it never did until we started being more involved oh, in, in the volunteering process and taking over process. And then, and then this year, I wrote it into our agreement with the city and the pyro company that we need a rain date because they would never allow us a rain date, the city. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're like, no, you have to see. That was the problem. That was what ticked me off was we were spending $61,000 on a fireworks show, and you're telling me that we have to shoot them no matter what, and it could be at 1 in the morning. Could, could be at 11 at night. Whenever the weather clears up, you got to shoot those because you can't just go over and take a shell out of a mortar your static charge could set them off and kill you. So you have to shoot them. So our thing was, okay, well, in that case, let's write it in that July 5th would be the rain date, no matter what. But that could be 1201. It could be 1201. Ah. So we we specifically put the time frame 9 o'clock or 9 p.m. is what we put it for the rain date, and that's the wording we put uh, in the contract this year. And to make sure that I wouldn't have that heart attack moment like I had in 2022. Like, oh my God, I'm going to have to call this thing and we're going to lose $61,000, you know, because to me, it's like I'm going to be shooting for maybe 15 people. But it's it's the nature of the beast. It it really is. It it just is. is. Like the pyro company, they're like, look, we can write it in for you guys and we'll take care of you, you know, but it's the fire department. It's like, we have to, you can't, and we understand, we get it. It's just a hard pill to swallow. You know, like I have all these people that have, donated to this event to happen and i can't do the event and and most people are obviously they know that we can't control the weather right um and and to a certain degree you've got people with Lollapalooza, and they've got their issues yeah, yeah. because obviously it's all outside at grant park it's like come on how do you people account for this it's, so, it's sometimes you just don't you can't and, no. and, and you know the summer you're always gonna have storms yeah and we know that and they could cook up out of nowhere at any time oh how well we uh, know and uh and it happened like this year it was we didn't it shouldn't have rained but it rained yeah. again we're just like how did this happen you know when liz and i started our other podcast which is life's three by fives mm-hmm. we started making this list and you were probably number 10 on the list okay and <laughs> so we set that date i don't know it was like december 12th or something yeah it like was that. right in the it was right in the thick of it yeah so. that day 
here it is in December. We'd already had the snow, mm-hmm. you know, and it's pouring rain, like at 2 in the afternoon. And we're scheduled to be there like at 5 or yeah. something like that. And Liz calls me up and she goes, are we still doing this? And I go, yeah, we're still doing it. She goes, how are we going to, how are we going to, how are we going to do this? And I go, I go, I'll build a mini studio in my van. You know, what, what, what? And that's what we did. And we pulled up to the top where the, um, yeah, up by the golf course. Yeah. Up by the golf course. Off to the side. Off we went. And of course it looked a little sketchy because it wasn't too long because we're sitting there talking Mm -hmm. that it's all fogged up. And of course we're laughing back and forth. So it's rocking a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, geez, what is happening in this van up here? You people pick this park in the middle of all this light festival to yeah. See, like that morning, you know, I was trying to get the wiring down for you guys, making sure you guys had power up there and whatnot. Yeah, and it didn't matter, did it? Know, no, because we ended no. up going that route anyway. But what's funny is one of the cops that we have drive through uh-huh. called me. <laughs> and that's when I came up. Because we're like, hey, there's this van up here. And and I, we don't know if it's supposed to be here or not, but we looked in and there were some people in the back talking. I'm like, oh, no, no, they're supposed to be there. He's like, well, what are they? I'm like, ah, reporters. <laughs> like, oh, okay. So Because that's, like, that's what they understood. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So I was like, I'll be up in a minute. So I go up there. And, and God bless him, you know, the, the, the park district cop. He was he was so funny about it. He's like, we didn't know what the hell was going on with, with the van. We were like, well, you know, you should still let me know when those things happen. And yes, most of the time, it's yes. people we got to scare off. But, um, <laughs> you know, because we, we have the park district going through nonstop during the festival. And, of course, we go through nonstop. And yeah. people try some weird crap. But, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's a great event. And, yeah. and you guys are complimentary to the snow sculpting competition. Oh, yeah. We work our butts to get our stuff out yeah. so they can it get just, in. It just yeah. adds to that whole holiday two, three-month area. It's it's a busy time for Mississippi Park. I mean, yeah. we have such a great park. It's in the heart of the city. It's beautiful. The golf course is just wonderful. Mm-hmm. Um, that's another reason why I love Festival Lights. I mean, it is a labor of love, let mm-hmm. me tell you. I mean, it takes us a month to set everything up. I'm out there till 1 or 2 in the morning setting displays up, and then... Then, of course, we work the event, too. We're out there mm-hmm. standing there during our hours as volunteers. And then, of course, we have the teardown in January. And we have a small window to we tear do. everything down mm-hmm. so they can get ready for snow sculpting. Mm-hmm. And Mother Nature is very cruel. We got lucky this last this year um, for teardown because it was so warm. But a lot of the times, it's 12 below, blowing wind. All the stakes are frozen into yeah, the ground. Yeah, I was going to say, getting stuff out of the ground. You know, we're sitting there with blow torches and things that try to heat up the ground so we can get our displays out and things. And, oh I mean, my. it's uh, we're using our trucks and muscle and everything else. And a lot of pain, a lot of a lot of leave, and a lot of Advil. You know, my, uh, a lot of Telemordew whiskey. My but, dad yeah. is 91 years old now, and he lives in Missouri. But before he moved down there... It was a challenge to get him and his wife to go do anything. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I say, you know what? It's going to be a very nice thing. You know, the snow is coming down. You know, Festival of Lights has kicked in. You're like three or four days in or something like that. I said, Dad, why don't you and Lena jump in the van with me, and I'll drive you through the Festival of Lights. No, no, no. Why would we want to do that? <laughs> and he just said the exact same thing for the snow sculpting competition. I said, okay, I'm, I'm just going to do this. I'm just going to show up tomorrow. I'm not going to ask him. I'm just mm-hmm. going to show up tomorrow and say, we're going somewhere. So we got something to eat at Beefaroo, and all of a sudden we ended up at Sinisippi. Well, how magical. Go, yeah, how, it's amazing. <laughs> and we're going through. All of a sudden, there's some kind of a switch that flips on because there was some kind of negativity that why would you possibly drive through a park in the middle of the winter to see a bunch of lights? Mm. You know, I don't know what he had in his head. Yeah. Two days later, 
he calls me. Um, does it really matter what end of Sinisippi you go in first? And I said, well, yeah, there, you, you have to go in first. I said, why? Why do you ask? He goes, because I have got um, three of my cousins that are all his age, three of my cousins that I'm going to take through there. And then he did it with people that he used to work at Amrock. And then he did it with people in the neighborhood. And it's like, are you kidding me? That's but it great. was so hard to flip that switch. Yeah. But once you did, so he became an ambassador, really, oh, great. for your event that quickly at that age. Well, and it's important because there, there was a, you know, and, and, and Uncle Joe knew it, though, too. He knew it went downhill, and he was embarrassed about it. And mm-hmm. he just, but he kept saying, he's like, what can I do? You know, what can I do? I can't, I can't physically do this. Yeah. And then, you know, he didn't, like I said, he, he was where he didn't have the right people. So, and when I got involved with it, it was, okay, well, we got to take all these old displays and either get rid of them or rebulb them, which is a big expense. Needs a facelift. It needed a bad one. Yeah. And he was wondering why his attendance was so low, but he knew why. He just hated mm-hmm. admitting it. And mm-hmm. uh, the minute that we did flip that switch, let's say that again, mm-hmm. uh, people noticed and that got out quick. Oh, big time. And, and you had, for lack of a better term, you had animation within the lights too. Yeah. 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 And we, we, you know, we don't do anything extreme, uh, no strobing or anything. So we don't want an, ele- an epileptic, you know, just going, wee, right, you know, going right. off into a display. Right. Um, so, I mean, it's, it, we, we took it to a whole new level. Mm-hmm. And you did. And we needed to, though. Mm-hmm. The, co- the community responded with not coming anymore. Well, know? and also when you do a facelift like that, and it doesn't matter whether it's your band or Ingersoll cutting tool or the fireworks, or it doesn't matter what it is. Your partners now have a freshness mm-hmm. to being a partner. Oh, yeah. And There's a new excitement to it. Yeah, and I really saw that with TV17. Mm-hmm. Yes. Because now they've got a new little angle on the story. And mm-hmm. yeah, we can send this person out who's never seen it before and blah, 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 blah. Yep. And if they play it right, it's going to be good for the TV station too. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So same with the radio station. I mean, they, they, they've been able to come in and they always send their new talent out to experience it. And they to do. do their, and it's great because yeah. they're just like, this is here. <laughs> yeah. You know, like yeah. it's a lot of drive through displays throughout the country are actually shorter than ours. That's the beauty of Sinisippi is that it just keeps freaking going. You know? It, it does. And when you think you're gonna be done, there's another turn, there's another <laughs> hill. Hey, hey, oh no, no, we're turning again. When does it end? Um, at North Second at Street. At North Second. So I was like, get out, go north. You know, um, uh, my son now works for a TV station in Denver. He just felt the Rockies pulling him. Yeah. He loved TV 23. He loved the people. So I talked to him today, and he said over the weekend, he was supposed to shadow a cameraman. Of course, you know, when you shadow somebody, you have no idea where they're going to go or what they're going to teach you. Mm -hmm. Nothing. So this guy said, I'm going to go downtown Denver, which is only about four or five blocks away. He goes, I'm a big biking person, so here's your bike. He brought a bike to the TV station for him, and he says, uh, we're going to take the most portable cameras that we have, and we're going to cover this event. Well, they block off the streets, so when you get your beer in the, or your coffee or whatever, you can walk through the streets, mm-hmm. and there's crafting, and there's vendors and food trucks and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. There's no theme. There's no real reason for it. It's just block off the street, and people get together and have fun. So they did their whole report on bikes which most TV stations were not going to do that. They would show up. They would see you over there. They would talk to you. How do you like it? Oh, I like it. Or I wouldn't come, you know, blah, blah, blah. And so here they are on the move the entire time with the whole package that they put together video-wise. That's brilliant. And 
it was great that the guy brought a bike for Eric instead of just say, hey, you stand over there and I'll be back. Yeah, that would have sucked for him. Like, it really would have. Did you bring skates? Did you bring rollerblades? <laughs> I mean, the, no. the roadways are heated in Denver, so you're okay. <laughs> I mean, that, that's great. I'm glad he's doing good out there, though. Yeah. I mean, he, so that gives you an idea that you, you have... You have choices when you say that the TV and the radio stations send their new people Mm -hmm. to let them experience. The news directors and the producers, they have choices. Absolutely. And do you remember Kelly Ryan on WRO? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Her and I worked together, and the program director, I think it was Charlie Quinn at the time, walked in late on a Friday and said to Kelly and I, said, you guys need to come in really early on Monday. What particularly do you want us to do? He says, we want you to show up at the golf course and cover the golf event. Kelly and I looked at each other and said, we don't know the first thing about golf. He says, what about Bob Pressman and Ken DeCoster? Aren't they going to be covering it? Oh, yeah, yeah, they're going to be there. Charlie, why do you need us? Well, one, we're going to feed you. And two, we're going to give you a golf cart. And three, you guys report on the non-golfers side of the tournament. And I go, that we can do. There you go. So Bob Hope and Linda Carter were the entertainment at the Metro Center the night before. Mm-hmm. Ronald McDonald was there. Carl Dargene was there. Amcor Bank. Yeah, you yeah, remember that whole yeah. deal? The showmobile, yeah. the whole nine yards. And so the last thing we talked about was golf because Ken and Bob <laughs> took care yeah, of that. Yeah, they covered that already. Yeah. yeah. And that was a typical example of throwing us in Yeah, and thank God. God, he was specific as to what he wanted us to do. Yeah, golf, no. no. Anything else but golf. Yeah. And, and But that's also going to create a whole different type of listening atmosphere for people at that time, too. It is. You know, Because you're going to have the people that are listening for the golf, but you're going to have a bigger audience probably that's going to be like, they want to hear about the other side of it. That's you know, it. And whatnot. That's and it. So smart move on Charlie. Yeah, absolutely. Really a absolutely. smart move. Yeah. Absolutely. And I still have those pictures of Bob Hope and Linda Carter and Carl Dargene and and it was taken with my 110 Instamatic. I was going to be like, were you? We... <laughs> I got it. It, it was. It was. I was a little Fred Flintstone at the time. Yeah. Yeah. Because that's, that's all I had. That yeah. was it. Hey, let me back up to Dirty Fishnet Stockings for yeah, just sure. a little bit. Have you ever had your kids on stage? Yes. So um, Finn has jumped up on with me and stood there with me. Sophia. Uh, Iris is too shy. Uh, Mavis doesn't care. You can just take her and be like Simba and the Lion King. <laughs> um, she's happy. But um, there was one song that my kids absolutely love, and it's called Little Pig. It's an old Screaming Dale Hawkins song. It was the flip side, I think, to Susie Q on his first recording. He was still going strong until 2020. He was Whoa. 90-something years old, playing in Chicago with Dave Harden, uh, Harden Guitars out of Chicago. He was still playing gigs. Amazing man. Um, but so we, we did his we did a cover of his song, Little Pig, and recorded it and uh, featured it on our SoundCloud and pushed it out to the masses, and then we play it every show. It's one of our favorite songs to do. It's very harmony-driven, and right. and it's just a rocking song. It is. Uh, we it is go fun. Like Mach 10 with it, too, our version. Um, and, and you don't need to know the song. No, you no, it's, no just it's just fun. fun. Yeah. So my kids caught on to that energy of the song, and they love it. And <laughs> but it's a chorus they can remember. It's yeah. you know they, they they figured it out. So Finn sings it to a T with me, and like we we'll sing it. And God bless him. One day he'll find his voice. It's not there yet, but he will find his voice. Um, <laughs> He's still juggling his he, balls. He's still juggling his balls. <laughs> One they drop, he'll get that right octave. So he he was out at uh, last year actually here 
he came up on stage uh, and sing. Uh, I had him sing a, a part of the chorus with me. And then one time at Brew House uh, for dinner on the docks, oh, I, had him, cool. I had him come up. Uh, and he did the chorus with me on it, but uh, yeah, he, it's uh, so yes, I have I have brought them into the limelight because I, I hope one day like all this stuff that I'm doing, it's all family oriented tradition. Fourth of July, Festival Lights, my band. These are three things that I can actually leave to my kids. And if nothing else, yeah. if that never works out, him not being afraid to be on stage is going to pay off dividends somewhere else with Absolutely. whatever trail he the decides to go on. number one fear of humankind is public speaking. Oh, God. Not death, not spiders. That's two and three, but public speaking is number one. I have told people over and over again, when we have been in here for storytellers, that I've known for decades, I said, I do not mind. I'll do it at the drop of a hat with 30 seconds notice to talk to people at the Coronado Theater or the Metro Center, the BMO Harris Center. Mm-hmm. Now, that's... What, 9,000 people and 2,000 people. Right. But if you push me into a reception where I have to worry about getting into a conversation and getting out of a conversation, and there's maybe 30 or 35 people, I will freeze up. Mm-hmm. I will do anything not to go in that room. Our, our brains work very oddly. But that's, that's also common, though, for creators. Really? You know, because our minds are set to go in, create something, and walk away and watch what happens with it. Oh, so there's not a conversation piece to that creation. It's I am giving you something to enjoy. Mm-hmm. Enjoy it. Mm-hmm. And then you're able to then remove yourself from that. I never thought of it that way. So that's that's kind of how creator brains work. So then if you get them in a conversation piece, now you do have the creators that just love to talk about themselves. Yeah. And, and those are people usually that make like statues and that, <laughs> those types of artists. Yeah. Um, but th- these that's really the concept of entertainment creators. That's, that's just kind of how it is. Here's my coping mechanism for this. <laughs> I know somebody's going to owe $150 to either one of us, (laughs) one or the other. But my coping mechanism is for those receptions that I have to go to. And we're not talking a wedding reception. I'm not talking about that. No, I get what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I figure out one way or the other to have a job. I'm either at a table or I'm stationary and people come to me and leave me, Mm -hmm. but I have a job of some sort, then I'm okay. But if I have to mingle, and go in and out because it's always uncomfortable. Right. I, I don't know when to, well, I'm interrupting them. Or I'm done with you, but I, I can't bail on this conversation. Well, yeah, you everybody does. You have to. Yep. You know, At lie. one point or another. Yeah, yeah. why? Yeah. I have to go to the bathroom. Exactly. Something. Yeah. God, that guy pees a lot. Well, you let know. me tell you, have you seen what I drank tonight? <laughs> that, that was the two different characteristics of my father and my grandfather, though, too. Oh, absolutely. You know, because my dad was very brazen with conversation. He could absolutely. jump into a conversation and didn't give a shit. Mm-hmm. And... And he was loud and proud and got in the conversation. Mm-hmm. There's no wrong or right to that. Mm-mm. He is who he is. It works for him and his character and his charisma. My grandpa was always that um, entry conversation. He knew exactly when to enter into a conversation. He knew exactly how to lead the conversation. And he Man. always knew when to walk away. So true. He was so brilliant at manipulating the situation to help him ease into it. Yeah. And I always admired that. And I try to take pieces of both of them, honestly, and into my own character, into my own life. And doesn't it make you wonder how Craig was a product of Bill and Dixie? It's I like, still have no wait, idea how wait that Wait a happened. minute. Did they, yeah. leave, <laughs> did they leave Craig on the porch? Yeah. I mean, come on. Well, you know, he was technically raised by my great grandparents you know there was they had their hiccups he had his hiccups with his parents so he went with uh, my my great grandpa and great grandma and you know different type of parenting style yeah, obviously yeah. and but but dad really created his own 
scope of everything. I mean, it seems like he always stuck to his mindset of this is what I'm going to do. This is how I'm going to do it. When he makes his mind up, it's done. Very true. And I actually had that from him too. Like I'm very mm-hmm. hard set on when I make my mind up, I don't go back. This is it. I'm done. Mm-hmm. And I move forward. Well, and-, and that's why people ask you to do things. That's why people ask your dad to do things because he kept his eye on the ball Yeah. and you figure out a way to do it. And you go, oh my God, they're, they're the busiest people I know. How do they get this done? Well, it's because they have a formula. Yeah. That's basically it. It's uh, You can't lose sight of the end game. You know, no. there's a lot of noise in between on your way to get to that final point, but right. you just got to just keep the sight on it and, and move forward. And then you start to realize, because there's a lot of people depending on it, and uh, uh, they trusted you to come up with that solution. So mm-hmm. you, need, you, need, you need to provide it. It's that simple. That's true. Uh, the harder it is, sometimes the better it is, though. I do have one more thing on my notes here. Yes, sir. You have been to Albuquerque, New Mexico, probably mm-hmm. a couple yeah. of times yes, for sir. the balloon fiesta. Yeah. We were there the year after we got married. So this would have been 1991, 92, somewhere in that area, depending on where it falls. Isn't it in the fall? Isn't that yeah, what it is? Yeah. Okay. I was extremely impressed. I don't know how many balloons all at once, but I was extremely impressed by what I called the zebras. And these are the guys in the referee shirts, mm, and yeah. they schedule the launching, and you know they sort of keep all the ducks in a row with all these balloonists. And, you know, of course, what kind of a vacation are you taking these newlyweds on where you have to be up and on the site at 5 o'clock in the morning? Yeah. This is insane. But that's what we did. And we had a great time. So you know how many people are on that site? It's at any incredible. given time. It's unbelievable. Yeah. So out of those people, who do I run into? Your dad and your grandpa. <laughs> now, come on. If I was looking for them, I would have never found them. Were they flying or spectating? They weren't taking off at that particular event. Yeah. It was special shapes. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but but they were probably the one after that or the next day That's or something great. like that. That's yeah. great. And maybe they were doing the uh, the evening burn. Or they're probably doing the glow. Yeah, the illumination okay. thing. Okay, because I think yeah. I think it's my grandpa. He flew it, but I don't. He did not like flying that event. He thought it was a cool event to fly hmm. because you take off and land at the same spot. Oh, you know it's but, but without being tethered. Right. Oh, so. He didn't care for. You know, there's a lot of things happening in that, at that I, rally. I there's bet. a lot of egos in certain pilots. You, granted, you know they did a great job regulating certain things or whatnot, but mm-hmm. the, he was not comfortable, and he and he would tell you that too. He's like, he'd rather do the glow, mm-hmm. you know, or he'd rather go up to the hotel at the Hilton there or whatever it is and look <laughs> down at the field. When they were doing the glow, because <laughs> yeah. like it's the coolest thing ever. Oh, it is the coolest uh, thing, which I never got to experience that part of it, but. Um, he, yeah, it wasn't his favorite one to fly at all. He'd rather do some of the other rallies and whatnot that they did. Wow. They contributed an awful lot for an awful lot of years for a lot of charities, oh, a yeah. lot of camaraderie. A lot of tethering. Remember the, oh. the, the Tylenol scare uh, that, oh, yeah. that happened? You know, yes. That, so Grandpa made all those phone calls and Dad and got uh, a bunch of balloonists down. And I think, I can't remember if it was at Ingersoll Centennial Park or if it was somewhere else, but they tethered the balloons and they all dressed up in Halloween costumes, and the kids came out. So they made it a oh. safe area for kids to come and trick or treat. Wow! And uh, dressed up and did that. They did it for Easter. They did it for Christmas. You know, for glows on Christmas. You know, he always come up with something great. And of course, the TV and radio stations would always call, of course, Dad or Grandpa yeah. about like, "Hey, you guys got your balloons? What can we do this year?" <laughs> and uh, the on the waterfront flyover was huge that Grandpa organized for years, and right. uh, was that was one of my favorite things to crew with him. I absolutely loved it. Uh, one year we had a, a runaway balloon, though. That was kind of crazy. But um, 
most of the time everything went out without a hitch. You know, when we did that wedding, there is a curve in the Rock River, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. And we were up north. We were up by WLUV, sort of uh, North okay. Main and Elmwood, sort of in that area. And up by Rockvale, really, mm-hmm. sort of in that area. And when you hit a certain part of that river because of the current coming up with the river, it's like a balloon hitting a wall. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden you go, oh, we're going to be landing right over there. And then you hit the curve in the river and you go left. Yep, you're going to boiling. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's exactly it. And, you know, here's Judge Harry Agnew and the bride and the groom who had never flown before, ever. Yeah. And we dragged for quite a long time because we weren't where we were supposed to be. Yep. But you Well, do. then you got to figure out where you can land, where you're allowed that, to land. That's and it. That's, that's the issue. So, I mean, if you head towards Boylan, that's a safe land zone. So you, you're, you're able to. But there, mm-hmm. but if you get to the fields over there. I know. There's a couple of pilots that ruined it for us in the Rockford region where we can't land in certain fields. Oh, but, um, oh wow. Not going to name them. Uh, but you know, when you, when you did drag in corn or something, you go and you offer to pay for that corn to the farmer, you give them your hats and your pins and you yeah. just, you, 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 you appreciate them because you have to land. Yeah. And sometimes that's as good as it's going to get. So yeah. if you're dragging their corn, you, you, you make peace with them. Yeah. And they know that, yeah. but you know, it's because of me flying with your dad and your grandpa that when we would go on vacation, we would look up a balloonist. Honest to God, I think we probably did it maybe eight times at different places. Mm -hmm. And we hooked up with some guy, and I don't know how this even worked, but he flew over Walt Disney World. My God, he was the only one that was allowed to do that. I was going to say, really? (laughs) And all of of a sudden, that's where we are. We're going over Epcot. In this case, we're not going over the Magic Kingdom. That's amazing. Yeah. Wasn't a special balloon, just a normal? It was, just normal shaped balloon. Yep. And he had a big crew. Oh, yeah. So I, yeah. I'm sure there were some, you know, uh, things that he had to do in order to be able to get that permission. Uh, after we went over to Walt Disney World, he did a touchdown in a pond, you know, where the balloon mm. basket just touches enough to break the water mm-hmm. and then goes up again. So the timing's got to be great. And then he landed us literally in the middle of an orange grove, did not touch any of the crop, did not damage anything. And then, of course, you know, the envelope goes down, and then we have our little champagne thing, and he packs it up, and off he goes. It's like, damn, man, you have done this before. Wow. It was unbelievable. Well, that's that's just, that's just talent in a pilot, yeah. honestly. Or just really a lot of luck. Yeah, I mean, to yeah. be able to do... And for anybody that hasn't been up in a hot air balloon, you can hear everything oh, on yeah. the ground. Everything looks like ants, but you hear it. Everything. Yeah. Yep. Unless the, the, the torch is going, yeah. you know. Yeah. But, you know, you got these dogs barking and these people talking in their driveways, and you're way up there, and they're going, hey, look at the hot air balloon. Like, we're looking at you, too. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, they can hear us. They're waving back. <laughs> so, shh, quiet, shh. It's, it, it, it was a, that was one of my best experiences, always. I loved flying with – I didn't get to fly as much with my dad because I was really little when my dad was still flying heavily mm-hmm. in Rockford. Mm-hmm. So I, I was scared as a little Ted, and I'd always be in the basket. I never looked over the basket. Yeah. When I got older, you know, Dad was done and gone with it, but Grandpa was still going uh, strong with Ginger Blue, so I would go up with him quite a bit, and then I would help my grandma crew um, as much as possible too. But wow. um, so, so a lot of the memories that I have of flying more so were with my grandpa on that. But and because, like again, my dad, I was more traumatized, <laughs> so I blacked that out. And not to his fault. I mean, he was no. excited to have his son in, in his yeah. basket with yeah. him, you know. Yeah. And, <laughs> But I was scared shitless, you know, like, because 
That was pretty high. Oh God, it's pretty oh, freaking God. high. And and yeah. most of the times that I was in a hot air balloon, I was um, more preoccupied with my equipment, right? My, my radio equipment. Well, I really should have been concerned about hanging on to the edge of the basket. Yeah. But you're preoccupied. Well, then I realized that that preoccupation was sorted to my benefit. So when we went on vacation and we flew, I would take my big camera. And all of a sudden, now I've got a job and I got to be concerned about not dropping my equipment. Right. As opposed to white knuckling the edge of the balloon. Yeah. And it, it's just, it was years and years and years of so much fun. So just so you know, your dad and your grandpa were very influential business-wise, vacation-wise, <laughs> ch- charity-wise, rotary-wise. Oh, the, the disease you didn't know you wanted. <laughs> and, and there's no cure. There's no cure. No. no amount of penicillin can cure that. <laughs> no. Well, Ted, thank you for coming in. Thank you, Tim. Um, also, I want to thank our, our audience, uh, Janet McGregor yeah. and also Debbie Drager, who just decided to be sort of, uh, you know, bugs on the wall. Literal flies on the wall on this yeah. one. There you go. And that's okay. <laughs> Ted, we'll see you the next time that you decide to be on stage. I'll be there. As always, I have no choice. I need the money. All right, man. No, just kidding. <laughs> Take care. Thanks, Tim. Thank you for joining us in the Storyteller Studio with Tim Larson and Liz Wilder, where everything begins with the story.